0: think the best remarketing marketing is word of mouth to be honest especially when it comes from moms moms you know especially um new moms you know for me that's to be honest that's very important you know their their feedback to me i always mm-hmm. check you know on their on my customers you know when they when they place an order like how was your order how would you like us to improve is there anything you have so that feedback you know helped us and that also translated to word of mouth for mm-hmm. other moms so almost all of our core customers in the beginning they came to us from recommendations. Hello
1: and welcome back to the Kellanwood Podcast. I'm your host, business mentor and personal brand strategist on a mission to inspire a minimum of five people a day to take action, do something different and show up as the best person that they aspire to be. Are you one of my five a day? Keep all your messages coming. Let me know on Instagram at Kelly Loomberg Official and let me know what you've been inspired by. Was it something on this episode? Keep them coming. It makes my day and it makes my guest day knowing that it has had such an impact. Thank you in advance for being one of my five a day. If you haven't already, drop a review on Apple Podcasts. These reviews help secure even more guests to come on the show and it just takes a couple of minutes. Tell me which episode you like and it just draws more attention and more credibility. Today, I speak to Quadrea, an Emirati founder and CEO of Bumblebee. Now, Bumblebee is all about providing ready-made frozen meals for babies and toddlers. Her story's really interesting. She doesn't have children herself, but it was while she was babysitting her friend's child. She really saw that there was nothing that was super nutritious or really healthy or readily available on the market. So she recognized this and decided to create a number of healthy and nutritious options for babies and toddlers. She started with an initial self investment of 150000 and she's now gone on to build, we we're talking about maybe 15 different meal options that she has and she works with some of the best people from paediatric nutritionists, chefs and it is all about creating natural and high quality ingredients catering to the needs of new parents and their children. Enjoy this episode. Quadra, welcome to the show. It's great to have you. I'm very excited to talk about baby food, which I never thought I would actually say in a sentence, but your entrepreneurial journey and everything that's happened over the past few years. So why don't you do a little intro yourself and tell our audience who you are and what do you do?
0: Hi, I'm Kadria. It's very nice to be here. Actually, my background is in finance, ah. believe it or not. I've studied business my whole life. I come from a family of business entrepreneurs and even my, my current job is also in the financial industry. But one day... I was babysitting my friend's son. And when I was feeding him, I really, really love that boy. So that's why he was special to me. So when I was feeding him, I was feeding him the supermarket, you know, the supermarket packets. And it was the only thing available at the time. And I noticed that it had no color, no flavor, nothing. And when I turned it back to see, you know, the, the ingredients and the dates, I noticed that the production date was older than the baby himself. Oh, wow. That's crazy, right? I mean, it was produced eight months ago and the baby was just now turning five. And that's when I realized that there was a gap in the market for healthy food and fresh food for babies and for kids. And when I identified that gap in the market, I started to ask more and more of my friends about it. And that's when I realized that, you know, there might be a chance to do something there. And I started by cooking for my friend's kids, actually. I started by giving them samples and they really liked it and they gave me good feedback. And soon after that, I just uh, decided to turn it into a business. So there is no one
1: more honest, I think, than a child, whether they like your food or, or not. So you were
0: so brutal in the beginning. <laughs> it's maybe such a good thing, though. I, at first, and because I tested out on all kids, because when I wanted to start, because my range is from six months to four years. So at the six months, you know, they don't say anything. They would just like, like you know, just yeah, do that with their face. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So those were fine. But the older ones, the one who can talk, yeah, That was the the, the, the really bad ones. Because when I used to give them the food, you know, our food is traditionally rich with, you know, salt and butter. Because, yeah. you know, we have the biryanis and the curries. So when I fed them, this it was clean. I had nothing, no salt, no sugar. They said, what is this? This has no flavor. And they were so rude in the beginning. They were like, <laughs> no, what is this? This is dry. This is, I used to test it out and test and keep testing. Like I remember one of the dishes we have is meatballs and sauce. And we did about 12 different iterations before we got to this final one. And it was all because of their feedback. Wow. And yeah, it was all because of their feedback. And luckily, this is our most selling one now. Is it? It just goes to show. So the business is called Bumblebee. Yes. Is that right? So what made you come up with that name? So, you know, bees are very important for the environment. And, you know, Einstein once said that if bees were to go extinct, then humanity would also go extinct seven years later. And they do such an important job of pollinating, you know, the crops of ensuring the survival of humanity. And I thought, you know what, this is kind of also like kids, you know, kids also are the future, you know, Mm -hmm. they're also important to the environment. They're also important to our life and they're the future that, you know, we raise and we take care of them. And they do have this big, you know, role in shaping our future, just like the bees. Mm -hmm. So that's where the name came from.
1: So talk me through the journey of that you were with your, friend's son how long from the day that you realized to actually you know starting the business what was the the process like there
0: so it was about a few months in the beginning because mm-hmm. I was testing out the recipes and I was giving out to my friends and yeah, I was having success and then when I started to take it seriously you know I had to get the permits for you know opening a business because opening a business here in FNB is also different than when you want to open a kids business. That mm. comes with its whole set of permits. Like, yeah, I can imagine. Exactly, because especially food and exactly. for kids. Here, you know, the government, they're, they're very strict. They really, really care about the standards. They have very high standards. One of the highest actually in the world. So it's really, really good for the consumer, you know, because you can almost guarantee, you know, your food safety. But, you know, for the supplier and the business, you know, we do have a lot to to follow. Yeah which I you know, appreciate and I understand, especially because you know it's kids and you want to ensure the safety of the food. So that took us a really long time, to be honest, a few months. And then when we wanted to launch, COVID hit mm. and I was really busy in my day job. Um, that took a lot of my time, especially the first few months, you know, it was unprecedented. Nothing happened like that before. So our launch had to be pushed back by like a year almost. But in hindsight, you know, that was good because it really allowed us to even develop the recipes more to understand what the customers wanted. And if anything, I think that it saved us more, you know, rent, more space, more everything, real yeah. because because instead of just going to a mall, for example, now we're just based, you know, online. We just have online orders. And so was that never the
1: plan to be?
0: That wasn't the plan. We wanted to rent out a space. Oh. But wow. yeah, but because of the lockdowns, you know, yeah. we, we didn't, you know, we didn't go ahead and sign for it. So that was really perfect you know after that at the time it was like no we want to launch you know we didn't I was really sad about it but in hindsight like look at how great it turned out yeah exactly
1: so how many how many is it meals or recipes do you have short at the moment
0: so what we have is actually baby food but it's frozen so it's freshly made and it's ready made but we just freeze it we have about 15 different recipes because we cater from six months to four years Mm -hmm. So the recipes change every couple of months. Okay. Uh yeah, to you know, to ensure, you know, different varieties. And we have food for all kinds of, you know, restrictive diets, for example, for all kinds of allergies. For example, we have things without any nuts, we have things without gluten, we do without dairy, without eggs, we do things that are vegan. You know, we try to cater as much as possible mm-hmm. to, you know, to different to different kids and different needs. And, you know, parents can always get in contact directly with us and we can see what we can do you know to mm. find a tailored meal for their child's needs.
1: So what was it like are you still working full time or is yeah so you've I been am. so you've been balancing full time employment and running a business. So tell me some of the things the challenges and you know some of the benefits that you've had with that.
0: I think the one of the greatest challenges is just finding the time. Right? Cuz in the morning I do my day job and then at night I do the Bumblebee business, you know, I put all my time and my effort for that. And it also goes on the weekends because on the weekends, I'd have more time to work on my business. But what that means is not having time for myself, yeah. not having time for my friends, yeah. you know. So it'd go weeks before I could see any of my friends. And if you know me, you know that I see my friends. I have to see them every week. I have to see my family, you know, every week. It's tradition here. Been a big adjustment. So now I see them maybe once a month, mm-hmm. once every couple of months even. So it has been a big adjustment, but they're very, very supportive. And sometimes they would even come out, you know, to my house, even if just for a quick hello. Yeah. So that's been really, you know, nice. So often. you
1: do your day job and then what are you, five, six, seven hours in the yeah. evening? Yeah. And then you've been doing that for the past year or two years? Almost three years. Yeah, we're coming up for three years. Almost three years. So that stuff, when would that change? Or, you know, is that something that you want to
0: change? Because it's not sustainable. Yeah. I wouldn't say it is, but yeah. for now, yeah, I think it's okay. I, I think I have a little bit more drive to continue this for the next year, but maybe not more than that.
1: Okay, okay. So, so tell me some of the myths in, you know, the space that you're in. I mean, you have started a business that's for kids, but you don't have your own kids. So in itself, that must have been a massively steep learning curve. What are some industry myths that you want to share?
0: Oh... Anyone who says that it's easy, it's not, you know, especially when it comes to child nutrition, because, you know, and at least in my family and how I grew up, as soon as you get teeth, you can just eat anything, Mm -hmm. right? So for example, the normal food that we eat, like the biryanis and the curries and whatnot. So what parents would do is they would mash it up with a fork Mm -hmm. and they would just give it to the baby, you know, as long as it's the same food that we eat and you know, we turned out fine, Yeah, you know, so you wouldn't think that there is any long-term effects on it. But the thing is, is when I started to, you know, read about it and educate myself about, you know, childhood nutrition, I realized that those are actually really bad habits that contribute to childhood obesity. For example, mm-hmm. the salt, mm-hmm. the earlier you introduce salt to a child's diet, the direct coloration it is to early childhood obesity, mm-hmm. you know, because kids, they can't really filter out the salt in their body and it has water retention. So it even makes them, you know, bigger than, than what they are. So this is one of the things, you know, that I've learned. And then I realized that I was a bit getting, you know, I really wanted to ensure the safety, you know, of, of, the, of, the, uh, of the meals. And I wanted to ensure the proper nutrition in every meal. So that's when I decided to work with a pediatric nutritionist. And we were working with Yasmin al-Haddad. Mm-hmm. She's also one of the best here. The best, I think, in in Dubai, and you know, she also helps us to ensure that every meal that we do has the maximum nutrition. You know, the macronutrients that a baby needs in his daily life. Okay.
1: And what is there any other sort of myths? Because I think even that mm. in itself, you know, yeah. you not being a mom and bringing up children right now means you can still do a business yeah. that's children related. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. You, you know, know, I think that in <laughs> yeah. itself is right. a myth. Anything else? I think. One of the other things that I've learned is just that you can't do more than one thing at a time.
1: Ooh, let's talk about that a little bit more.
0: So, you know, everyone says, for example, oh, you know, if you do one thing, then you can't do the other, you know. And it's it's not about like sexism or anything like that, but it's just about, you know, for example, if you are a stay-at-home mom, then you can't do this. Or if you're working, then you can't do this. And it goes, you know, both gender. It goes, you know, for everyone. It's like, if you do one thing, then you just can't give your best to the other thing Mm -hmm. and I think that that's a big big myth you know meant to to drag us all down you know Mm -hmm. people can be excellent in in so many things that they do at the same time right Mm -hmm. we have so many amazing people in this world like they're for example perfect athletes and you know professionals but at the same time you know they're they're married they have kids you know they they have time for it and they do the like for example their business right they they also have their own business and no one tells them they can't do anything you know so I think this is one of the biggest myths was that you can't do it, that, oh, it will all just come falling down on you. But lucky me, I've been, you know, I've had a great support system. So mm-hmm. I have to credit that. I've have two jobs now and I am balancing it, I think. Good. What, um you
1: know, in terms of sort of the, the journey when it comes to marketing the business. So you tested it with your friends and it's great. And that's a fabulous mm-hmm. way to start. But how do you get people to start buying your products? What have been great marketing strategies that have worked for you in the past three years?
0: Sure. So I think the best word, uh, the best, sorry, marketing is word of mouth, to be honest, especially when it comes from moms. I was going to say, yeah, babies, yeah, exactly. no no chance. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> babies are, they don't care what they yeah, eat, exactly. you know. Exactly. But moms, you know, especially um, new moms, you know, for me, that's, to be honest, that's very important, you know, their feedback to me. I always check, mm. you know, on their, on, my customers, you know, when they, when they place an order, like, how was your order? How would you like us to improve? Is there anything you have? So that feedback, you know, helped us. And that also translated to word of mouth for mm-hmm. other moms. So almost all of our core customers in the beginning, they came to us from recommendations. Mm. And then when I wanted to grow it even more, that's when I started to market from social media. So Most, was that paid ads or? So I didn't do paid ads in the beginning. It, it was just, you know, just posting, posting, you know, using the hashtags, following, you know, as much as I can. And then I discovered there was something called paid ads. <laughs> Aha. I didn't know about that. So when I discovered that, I was like, oh, okay. okay, let's, let's try that out. So that even helped to get us even more visibility until we reached, you know, partnerships and we started to collaborate more with schools, with nurseries. Uh, with events, you know, with uh, those little messy plays, you know, the the toddler plays, the toddler areas. We started to participate in those events and that's how we got our visibility. So
1: the, the collaboration. So the pay dads gets a visibility into that then leads to the exactly.
0: collaborations.
1: What has been one collaboration that you've particularly enjoyed or has been, you know, really beneficial for both parties?
0: There was one school I actually the one nursery I went to and it was really, really nice because I got to meet all the babies there and they were aged, I think, eight months because yeah. they were just carrying the little baby. It was really cute and the mothers were there and it was, I think, also three years. The kids were there in the nursery, up to three years. Mm-hmm. And they were all tasting my food. You know, I was just showing them and explaining to them, you know, the this is this, this is that. And I worked so hard on the menu because they didn't give us a list of allergies or anything, right? So we worked really, really hard to ensure that nothing had any nuts, nothing had any dairy, you know, like the most allergens avoid everything. And we did that and all the babies were eating and coming back for seconds and thirds. Oh, wow. Yeah. We had like those mini pancakes and they were really, really popular. So to me, just to see that the kids coming and eating and the parents asking about it and just being interested Mm. to me, I think that that is, um, in my opinion, the most successful event I've been. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, have you always been into
1: cooking and creating menus and dinners? And is that your thing, or is this also quite a new?
0: Yeah. Uh, so, I've definitely always liked cooking. Yeah, since I was a kid. Okay. But I was really afraid of the fire. Ah. Really afraid. And at the time, you know, the electric, the electric ones weren't as readily available. You know, the more of the fire ones. So I was always afraid to work it. So I'd wait for my mom to work it for me. Of course, because it's fire, so we need supervision and everything. So. Until one day my dad got me the electric one and that was really, really fun. And that's when I started to experiment a bit more and take more, you know, take more risks, develop more recipes. And then by the time my little sister came along, because we have some gap between us. So when my little sister came along, she was interested in what I was doing and wanted to eat my food. So I was very motivated to cook for her, to try for her new things and new Mm. recipes. And then a few years back, I also went to a culinary school Mm. because I wanted to take it a bit more seriously to develop it. But the kid thing was just pure luck. You know
1: what happened? Well, I say it's pure luck, but if it's something that you were doing for your with your yeah. sister, the seed was already planted. Yeah, if you were already yeah. doing it yeah. there, and they often say that when you look back, is when you can join the dots. Yeah, you know. So if you were looking back and you are going, well, actually, no, I really wanted to make beautiful dishes for my sister. I think you said was there's fourteen fourteen years between yeah. and your sister. Yeah. So to make dishes for her, then I'm not surprised that. Yeah. You know, 10 years later, you're going and you're making a, a super successful business of it. What's kind of next for the brand or what happens? You've got these 15 recipes, you update
0: them regularly. Is it all savoury? Is it sweet? We have a mix of savoury and sweet. Yeah. So, for example, we have things for breakfast, like oatmeals, We have for lunch, like, like curries, for example. For dinner, we have like spaghettis, you know, pastas. And we have also snacks, yeah. which are fruit-based. Most of our snacks are fruit-based. Because all of our food is savory, so we try for the fruit to be um, sweet, and of course, there's no added sugar and no salt in it. But the next steps, I think, would be to start targeting supermarkets. Mm-hmm. You know, we do want to expand our supply because right now we only sell through our websites. Okay, and we want to expand. You know, because we do have parents asking us like, "Hey, where can I find your product?" You know, they want easier access because for now, what we do is we only sell them online and we deliver two days after your order. Because, you know, we cook the food fresh to order, but then we freeze it. So that takes time. Mm. So parents now come to us and want something a bit more faster. So if it's at the supermarket, you know, we can do that. So, you know, hopefully that's that's one of the um, medium term plans for us. Mm. What would
1: you say to someone who is considering starting a business or you know in the position that you were what advice have you got for someone who's listening
0: the best advice I personally got when I started was to study the market you know to do your own research to read as much as you know you can online to ask people here in the industry to make network connections and the reason for that is to just understand you know who the competitors are you know who the players are what's the expected budget how are you going to manage your budget you know When are you going to break even? All of those things, you know, you need to do before, you know, before you enter any market, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever it is. And that strategy has allowed us, allowed me at least to, you know, to manage our finances properly, to understand, you know, the market, the industry. And we entered a very niche market. So there wasn't much information available. So everything that we had, we had to go from our own, you know, our own research. We had to go to moms. We had to go to schools. And ask them our own set of questions to so build. you actually did that you had a study and how yep. many people did you go out to? Total we got about 500 responses. Oh wow yeah okay. because the mothers I know were about 100 yeah. and then they led me to another like 200 and then from social media I also you know did the surveys online surveys yeah. through all of their friends and I got about 100 responses then And then to schools, through, you know, my sister's school and my other cousin's school, I went to them, I asked, you know, their teachers, just a simple question, like, what are the meals that you serve? What are the meals that you see parents serving for their kids? And what do you think, you know, what do you think of that? And what do you see, like, long-term effects? Do you see behavioral differences when kids eat with other kids? Like, do they want to eat their, uh, like, one thing I learned is that the kids, um, they will all eat the same meal if they're all eating it together. Yeah. So if they're all eating, even if it's not good. But as long as everyone on the table is eating the same thing, they will all be motivated to finish it. Mm-hmm. So this was also one interesting thing, you know, one interesting data point that, you know, we gathered. So, yeah, just, you know, do your own research and put all of that knowledge into your own, you know, into when, when it comes to developing your own business strategy.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I've got a couple of questions that
1: we just keep it nice and easy and open. So this is a Christmas set that I got. Esther Perel has a, a game where you can ask questions. Pick one. And let's see what we get. It's totally random, but I kind of like the conversation and the stories that come from it as well, because it might help us uh, find out something else about you. So go for it. Sure. I make too big of a deal about. Ooh, (laughs) I make too big a deal about. What would, tell me what you would say and then maybe what your family might say. Or would it
0: be the same? I didn't think it was the same, but lately I'm starting to believe them.
1: Okay. What What do you make too big a deal out of? Everything. (laughs)
0: <laughs> oh give me one example so to for me you know i like things done in a certain way mm-hmm. and if i don't get it then i do make a big deal like hey why did you do this i told you to do this you know like i always plan like plan a plan b plan c all the way up to plan z you know just in case i know everyone says why you know just relax do it and then i get even more upset like don't tell me to relax <laughs> you know and then why are you making a big deal so i'm like i'm not making a big you know so this is one of the things. What was one thing recently that you've made a big deal out of? If I want to connect it to the business, yeah, it was yula, But I mean, it's such a big deal. I was telling all of my friends about it. I kept, I went to the labels that I went to the company and we had talks for days and everything. And the reason was the labels had square edges instead of round edges. <laughs> but that's an attention <laughs> to detail. And it's a, a small bit, but it bothered you it bothered me no one else noticed like no one noticed and I'm showing them the two labels I'm like look at them and no one saw the difference they look it looks the same but to me it was such a big deal so they were like calm down you know you make a big deal about everything so that's when I realized you know might as well let go of the small things Mm -hmm. and just focus a little bit you know because if you sweat the small stuff yes I was just thinking of that book by the way have
1: you read it yeah I did don't sweat the small stuff yeah it's not quite working yet
0: yeah, exactly. I, I, I tried to, you know, to read it, but it didn't really resonate. But now when I started to, to, I think the first time I realized it was, you know, when you're stressed and then suddenly you're relaxed, you get like this, the tension goes away, the headache goes away. Mm-hmm. And that's when I realized, oh, wait, the frown just went away. Was I frowning this whole time? You know? So that's when I realized, okay, I'm stressing too much over the little stuff. Yeah. And if you are to sweat about the small stuff, then you'll never you know, you'll just have white hair. Yeah.
1: Well, and the fact if you're running, you know, a business, how many is in your team, by the way? Just about five because we work with a lot of consultants.
0: Yeah. So the permanent staff is just about five. Yeah. yeah.
1: But when you're balancing work and a full-time job and a yeah. business, yeah.
0: you, you have to try to not sweat the small stuff. Exactly. Ironically, I think I sweat the small stuff more than the exact, <laughs> More than more. The,
1: exactly. <laughs> Why don't you pick another one? Let's okay. see what else we can learn about you. Sure.
0: Oh, okay. I wish I could spend more money on. Ooh, that's an interesting. More like I wish I had more money. <laughs> <laughs> if I could spend more money, I think I would just spend it on vacation. Yeah. Where would you go? I would love to go to Hawaii, Ooh. actually. is that been on your list? Oh, since forever. Really? Since forever. You know, when I was a kid, I watched Lilo and Stitch. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I've always been like, oh my God, look, they have so many nice things you know the, like the, the nature you know the trees and the water and i was like oh i want to go there so i told my dad like Dad, look you know they have look the ocean is next to them everything it's there it's so, like oh you want to see water I was like look the beaches everything looks so great because it was a cartoon you know, everything was so green and nice yeah. so i told him dad look and they have exotic animals there right i didn't understand and so then he took me to the beach and said look there water go the enjoy beach. go enjoy <laughs> <laughs> So it's still on your list. So yeah, it's still on my list. I wish um, one day, I think, yeah. I hope to go to Hawaii.
1: I, uh, it was on my list for a
0: long what time. Mm.
1: And I remember, so I used to uh, work with Emirates. So we used okay. to get cheap tickets to fly anywhere. And when I knew that I was resigning to mm. start my business, I had one more staff ticket to take. It was 10%. You basically paid something like 10% of the cost of the ticket. So I remember thinking, mm. where is the one place that's really far away I'll probably never get to visit again. And I mm. kind of looked at the map and I was like, Hawaii. Okay. I really want to go to Hawaii. And I remember going there and I went myself. I think I had, what was it, maybe six, seven days there. Nice. And um, yeah. how was it? It's amazing. Yeah, it did all nice. the, the you know, went and looked at all the surfing spots and it's hiked amazing. and beach. And yeah, it was really. I'm good. actually
0: not a very good swimmer
1: but I still want to go.
0: Uh, I was like, it's okay. I'll take, you know, the tubes and I'll take like the life vest. Just take me to Hawaii.
1: I love that. On the list. Right. One more and then we'll call it a date and then you can tell me how people can find you. I love this one. I want to introduce this to every podcast now.
0: Okay. Oh, I wish I could still get away with.
1: (laughs) (laughs) What would Um, that be? I'm trying to think, what would that be? Okay. I've got one as well.
0: I wish I could still get away with saying, I don't know, mm. because, you know, now that I'm older and, you know, look like an adult, you know, people expect that you know things. But sometimes, you know, you're like, for example, you don't want to do things or are not bothered. <laughs> so you just say, I don't know. But now you can't do it, right? Because they would say. You think oh, expectations. Exactly. Mm. So that expectations, you know, you wish you could say like, oh, I don't know, please help me or please you do it instead. So there is a certain expectations now. That comes, you know, with adulthood. But even now in my position, at least, you know, I can't really get away with it anymore.
1: Interesting. Um, Mine would be, if I could get away with it, would be less sleep. I feel like I need much more sleep now. You know, so I I go to bed at nine o'clock, nine thirty. So if I could get away with it, it would Mm -hmm. be nice that I could do a little bit later and still get up at 5 a.m. in the morning. But it doesn't happen. (laughs) It doesn't happen. How can people find out about you and your fabulous children's?
0: So we can check our Instagram, BumblebeeAE, Mm -hmm. or you can check the website, bumblebeefood.com. And, you know, if you send an email, if you just send through the message, it goes directly to me because I really want to ensure that I am personally there to address, you know, any concerns or anything you have.
1: What's your favorite food that you've created?
0: I think the meatballs. Is it the meatballs? That took the longest iterations to get to, you know, it took us like 12, 12, 13 ones. 13th was the perfect one. And there are so many things that you can do with it. Uh, We've had parents put it in sandwiches. Yeah, because their kids were, surprisingly, they really like Joey from Friends. And he always eats a meatball sandwich. So what they did was heat it up and put it in a sandwich with some cheese on it. And that was exactly... Right? It was so creative. (laughs) It was so creative what they could do with it. And then we've had another parent who got influenced. She went to South Africa and she was influenced by taking a bread taking the stuffing out and uh, and putting the the meatballs inside this was a dish it's called i think bunny chow in south africa and was like oh wow the the parents were so creative with what they used to do you know with their food so that's why it's my favorite one meatballs yeah
1: thank you so much for coming on the kelly podcast
0: it's been great to hear your
1: story and your success and uh, i wish you um every success for the future thank Thank you you for
0: having me thank you so much
1: Did you enjoy this episode? If you did, then please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. This is how more people can hear about the amazing stories and guests that we have on here. Even better, you can also share this on social media, screenshot it and share it on your Instagram or on your Facebook or on your Twitter account. The more people that see these episodes, the more awareness it brings to small businesses and those that are trying to make an impact and difference. And if you want to know more about how you can develop your personal brand, then check out our new website, Brand You Creators, designed by our in-house team. And we are in the business of helping you to increase your online visibility, build industry authority, lead change, motivate and profit. Who doesn't want that? I look forward to speaking to you soon. Until next time, bye.